Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everybody. Caught us live. Mike's caught us still <laughs> side chatting. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hope that you're uh, being safe and dry up there. Um, I just drove down from Tascadero and shoosh, the roads are a, a wet, sloppy mess. I saw the remnants of several car accidents. Not a way you want to do your Saturday. No. No, probably not a day or way you want to do really any day. No, that's true. <laughs> no, it's a fantastic morning to sit inside with a hot cup of coffee, a yummy breakfast, and listen to the radio. Listen to the radio. Yeah. Um, yeah, and pro tip, we had an event in my family where my boy went through a puddle <laughs> in the car. Um, and, you know, after all of the exit interview and, you know, full interrogation and debriefing, I have a pretty strong sense that um, it wasn't just a, like, you know, going for fun kind of thing. He just went through a puddle too fast uh, and... It got water in the motor and ruined the motor. And so I then learned at the mechanic that that's a common thing. Have you guys heard of this before? Water in the airbox blowing up a motor? I've... Mechanic... Maybe asked uh, Jason about that before he left. Mechanic said it's very, very, very common. Way more common than you would think. And his advice was go through puddles slow. Hmm. So... I figured I'd just share that with everyone since it was an expensive um, lesson in my family. Yeah, your uh, son's not the first person I've heard of to have a problem running through a puddle. <laughs> definitely not the first time. <laughs> yeah. I may or may not have had a similar problem a lifetime ago. However, I was challenging a puddle with a car not suited for puddle challenging. In um, other words, you were challenging that puddle and daring that puddle to... Yeah, do exactly yeah. what it did, and yeah, it won. Exactly. Um, <laughs> which, but you know, my car, my stupid decision, <laughs> my ruined car, right? And that was that was arguably a small lake, not a puddle. Right. I, I had water over the hood of my car, <laughs> and and now I wish I wasn't sharing this because suddenly I seem like the uh, financial guy on the radio with really poor judgment. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was I was much much younger. Um, anyhow, um, be careful when you're driving out there right now. Um, it's a mess. Yeah. So welcome to the show, you all. It's, uh, another beautiful Saturday and, uh, we got two hours here with you. Um, lots of economic stuff to talk about today. Pretty excited about, uh, pretty excited about the way this year's setting up. Feels uh, feels good. It does feel good. Consumer confidence is high, man. <laughs> Did you see that? I didn't. Yeah, consumer confidence is up. And part of me wondered um, kind of why. 
Are you happy and confident about the future of the jobs and economy? You're a glass half full guy too, so I'm expecting you to yeah. say yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like in general, I always feel like things are there's opportunities ahead, good and improving. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I feel like like things are good. I, yeah. Sometimes I just think that like uh, I'm always looking for the headwind. You know, I'm looking for for what feels like it's a Bruin, and um, you know, I. I and maybe it's just the boatsman in me. You got to have, you yeah. know, when when you it's about boat, planning, right? yeah, when you boat far offshore, you have to plan, right? Make sure you've done all your maintenance. Make sure you have a plan. Make sure you know what you're doing. And then also, really important, is always have what we call the ditch bag. Mm. The ditch bag is like your, uh, in the event that we're leaving this vessel in a in a very fast and un- unexpected way, we have things that are going to improve our chances of survival. So I I think I just sort of live that way. I'm always, well, you know me, I'm always so freaked out about <laughs> contracts and <clears throat> obligations and things that take you too far into the future because it's so hard to see what's out there. Um, so maybe I just have a tendency to, to think that maybe – Maybe we should just expect turmoil ahead, and then uh, we'll be pleasantly surprised if it's smooth sailing. Okay. Is there turmoil ahead? I don't know about turmoil ahead, but I I do appreciate the uh, preparedness that uh, that you're talking about. It's like the old, what, the Boy Scout mantra, the be prepared. Is that yeah. Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts? Uh, I was but, neither, uh, so I'm not qualified Boy to speak Scouts, to it. I believe. Boy Scout mantra. I'll double check that. Yeah. But but be prepared. But that's smart. Yeah. I one of the commentaries I read about a guy that's like a I mean really he's like a lock expert kind of times the market and attempts to tell people you know what what is the short term expectation and kind of the longer term expectation out a couple months which is really about as far as you could see in the financial market and the certainty of that the longer out you look the farther uh down the certainty goes but anyhow this guy was basically saying hey everybody um, look at what's happened since Christmas. The Dow has really rallied in a big, big way. Um, and so in general, let's just say the stock markets and investment markets are have really rallied. And the bond markets have really been pressed down. And of course, you know, we talk about it almost ad nauseum, but the Fed, the Fed's given us a real good idea of, of how they're planning for what's coming. And the idea right now is... Um, the economy's on firm ground, but they're watching careful. And um, so anyways, this guy was basically just saying, hey, this this since December is really just full-on bull market run and that you should be prepared for some correction. Um, and, you know, also referencing this bounce, which I know you've talked about in the past, the way that markets seem to bounce after a little bit of a fall or correction. There's a kind of a boing off the bottom that um, is usually a pretty substantial little pop that makes you wonder, hey, what's what's next? Um, I can interject that the be, the be Prepared is the Boy Scouts. Okay. Yeah. And it's uh, short for Be Prepared in Mind and also Be Prepared in Body. It's good advice. It's good advice to live by. Yep. In any situation, right? <clears throat> be Prepared. Yep. So, yeah, so anyhow, you know, the, um, what's been going on lately is we still have really low mortgage rates. Um, 
the bond market is kind of creeping up a little bit, which is surprising. Um, everything that we're we're reading seems to be backing this idea that um, that I don't want to say the flight to safety is warranted, but um, there's a good bet in the bond market. It's a good safe bet, especially with the volatility of the market, especially if you believe there's a correction coming, right? Sure. Um, and so that being said, we're kind of seeing the bond market work its way up a little bit. Um, I, I was reading this article just this morning. Check this out. Just as a would-be consumer looking to park a little bit of investment money, you can buy a 10-year bond in the U.S. and get yourself this week, you know, what's like a 2.7-er, okay? 2.7% return over 10 years. The other option you might explore is mm-hmm. to buy yourself um, a German bond where you can get 0.1% over 10 years. So kind of crazy to think about that, right? That's a really big difference. And so clearly, I mean, I say that obviously quite tongue-in-cheek, you would you would buy the American bond. And so this is the little bit of a head-scratcher is that markets around the world are still kind of grappling with whether or not they're even able to raise rates off of where they are on the on the floor, if you will. And um, the U.S. sort of shines in comparison. So I bring that up because it's a little bit impressive that these bond yields are rising where the competition is pretty stagnant and very low. So we just sort of chop around. Um, I wonder if you saw this, too, out in some of the Fed... So the Fed's been out. There have been a lot of different members of the Fed giving a lot of different um, interviews and kind of testimony in various places. One of the ideas that was floated around this last week that hit the media was the Fed has talked about, came out in the meeting minutes too, actually. The Fed has talked about this idea of capping um, the the Treasury rates. Do you see that? No. Head scratcher. Yeah. To ease any increasing market, they might be able to cap some of the the treasury rates. And I thought that was really, seemed like really bizarre market manipulation. Capping the treasury. So just to control rising rates or something yeah. to try to keep it at a slower pace than it might naturally want to do? Set it a little bit, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Wouldn't that be just like capping an individual stock price or something um i mean how do you d- that's interesting yeah i've i didn't even know that was a, a thing that could be done <laughs> me either hmm. and it maybe it can't be done but the mere fact that it's being discussed is sort of a you know make everybody go oh, wait what you you might try to cap a rate on a treasury, that's a weird thing. And obviously, one of the things I think it it really um, it really kind of makes you think, too, that the, with all of the other things going on in the Fed, this idea that they may not raise rates again this year, um, that we might be at neutral and this might be – this part of the cycle might already be capped out. Makes me think that the Fed is probably not as confident in this economy as they um, – want us to believe they are yeah well it was interesting to see um you know some of the the news this week with jerome powell he was on the media tour um 
you know, the the expected theme of his discussion this week was patience. That's been the the theme since the last meeting that the the Fed is going to um, exercise patience going forward. And one of the things that really allows them to do that is the continued lack of inflation pressure. Right. It remains under target. So, um, you know, if if it were anything else, it, it would kind of force their hand. But because inflation remains low, um, in spite of a growing, expanding economy, uh, they're able to remain patient in their policy and kind of allow the economy to digest the moves they make over a longer period of time before they make another move. And and I don't know that that's a bad thing. I, I think it's good to take this at a slow pace um, so we don't have to go back and forth with corrections, um, you know, from one one policy meeting to the next. So I it's it's interesting. He did say, you know, that the economic growth appeared to be solid, but they do note that the uh, the current pace of economic activity and growth is declining from last year's pace. So, you know, it's, I think it's good to be that this there's this period of patience afforded by the lack of inflation. And we can kind of see, is the economy starting to slow down? And if so, then, you know, we're good where we're at. And maybe even a, a cut like you're talking about is warranted, but, you know, they're able to sit and, and see. Right. Well, and we just saw fourth quarter GDP, like the final read there of 2.6%. That's good. That was the final. Yep. And okay. now we're starting to see um, estimates for this year already chopping at the sub 2%. Mm-hmm. So that is cause for exercise of some of that patience you described. It's time for us to do the first commercial break of the hour. We got some sponsors here to take some time out and recognize they help make the show possible. So after a couple minute quick break here, we'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. 
Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending, and I want to thank you for supporting us these past 11 years. We have helped thousands of local residents buy and refinance homes here on the Central Coast, and we couldn't have done it without you. We are sincerely grateful and look forward to serving you for many years to come. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328-358. You're, you're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Monday, love, Monday. The pop music of the 70s. Monday must be so sad, you know? Yeah. Just always getting a bad rap. I don't dislike Mondays. Monday is like the day you pop up and, you know, you have this fresh start, fresh week, tackle all of this, hopefully a little bit of rest. During the commercial break, we had a... Uh, New commercial run for AM Sun Solar. I think it's their second or third week advertising with us. Yeah. And they came on the show. We had Mike Belford on about a month ago. And um, fantastic talk. Um, And it was making me think, too. I was listening to that solar commercial play, and I was thinking, um, tough day to sell solar today, (laughs) Today is not the day. (laughs) But I wanted to share with you guys that... um, did you know that these systems actually, even on a day like today, are still generating power? Yeah, I, I got it's that. It's less. It's less for sure. But like on, um, I, I pulled up my app right now where I could look <laughs> back at the last couple days. Like yesterday. Hey, do you know that if you wash your car in the rain, it still gets clean, but you still are going to have trouble convincing someone to wash their car? Well, <laughs> yesterday was a pretty cloudy and what yeah. you know, um, and my system made about a third of the power it normally makes. Mm. So still making power, yeah. Um, and you know, this is the time of year too. If you have solar, or if you're thinking about it and not quite sure how to think about it, this is the time of year where your solar system is definitely generating less. You got these short days. You have lots of cloud cover, lots of rainy days. Mm-hmm. Um, your just sunshine days of summer, those long days of just b- 
bright blue skies with big sun, those are the days when you look at your uh, your solar app and go, dang, I'm making power today. <laughs> and the way that the thing works out, and this is why they look at it on that annualized basis, is it, it looks at the power you use all year. And then the system is built to be able to average out and, and cover your need. So then you get on an agreement with PG&E where um, months like this, yeah, we're using more power than we're generating, and that's known. But we knew that. It built that way. But in the summertime, we're going to generate much more than we need and much more than we use, but it makes up for these months that weren't fantastic. So anyway, I was just... Just thought I'd throw that in there. I'm stoked to have AM Sun Solar be a sponsor of the show. Um, Absolutely. I'm getting to know those guys pretty well, and um, they're a great business. They're really a great business. And from a lending standpoint, um, you know, and a value of home standpoint, solar is awesome. Um, and, you know, I think it's standard on new construction. It, and it's becoming part of the law. New homes constructed after next year are all going to have to come with solar on them. So um, some of the new tracks already that we're doing loans in, we're seeing, and this is an interesting thing, too, for people to consider that are looking at some of these tracks, is that um, one of them that we are doing over in the Valley, a new construction project um, where the solar was mandated by mm, Kern County, one of one of those counties, right, where the county basically, as part of the approval to the project, came in and said, you will put solar on these um, in order to make it go. And so the builder, um, this is the part I don't love about it because it's it's still clunky today. They don't have their arms all the way around it. The builder is not a solar expert, right? So they more or less subbed the job out. And because it's a matter of contract that you have to have solar, you either need to figure out how to buy the solar system or at buying the home, you'll agree to a lease. And um, just like Mike was sharing from a and Some Solar, the, the leases are not great. Um, the leases got really popular. They were marketed heavily because during that time after the recession, during the recession and shortly thereafter where equity was down, borrowing power was down, um, and lending opportunities, opportunities were just hard to come by to, to be able to finance those things. Um, leases were like, hey, the solar companies figured out a way to stay relevant and keep themselves in business. And I'm glad they did, too, because that really would have leaned out the herd, right? And, yeah. and the advancements that we're making in that renewable energy would have been stifled. So anyhow, now that people have equity again, and also the financing opportunities for those are a lot better and um, income is sort of restored back to where it was and in some cases more, people can qualify to borrow. So buying it is um, is way better. Um, so like in this track, though, the, the challenge is the builder said, hey, look, you can buy it or you can lease it. And so we were asking the the listing agent to the property. We said, "Oh, well, okay. If we're going to buy it, then put it in the house, right? Make it just like the upgrades to the granite, the upgrades to the hardwood floor, the upgrades to all the hardware and all the things in the house that make it a little bit nicer. Those just get added on as upgrades and included in part of the purchase price." So I said, "Hey, put it in there." Throw that $25,000 solar system in there, and the builder said, we won't. 
We're concerned that the homes won't appraise. But they have the solar system on them. But the comps in the um, surrounding neighborhoods and areas, are they were already at the top price per square foot for the home. And adding this additional solar cost, they believe, would make their appraisals come in short and create lending problems for everybody. But did the comparables have solar? Generally not. So it seems like it's an upgrade that's valuable. And I'm going to suggest that... The builder was just not just, not doing a good job at understanding that it was navigable, and the way that they could include it would help, um, would ultimately be to their advantage. And so, um, you know, bottom line is they wanted you to basically say, okay, you're buying this house for 380 and then your solar is 25K, and you're going to figure out how to do it. We're not going to sell you the house for 405 because we don't believe it's going to appraise for 405, and we're not going to have that problem. So I was like, you guys, this is not very different than any other upgrades. And the fact that this is required in your county made it not optional for you. So you need to figure out how to have it included because what you're doing is creating a real financial barrier because in the way that they want to do it, you're going to end up with some kind of subordinate financing, right? Right. So I was, this is where I wanted to get a little input from you because I see this a lot on transactions where we're tracking down a lease for the solar equipment or we're tracking down the financing paperwork. Can you explain why we're doing that and how it plays into this financing process of a home purchase? Yeah. So what happens is um, there's a few things. And, and generally, let me just start by saying a few years ago when somebody said, hey, here's a new escrow for you for a purchase loan and there's solar, it was like, oh, man, kiss of death. Right. The The success rate of navigating to solar on a house those few years ago was like nil. Um, today... I don't even worry about it. When I see solar, I understand there's a few different paths that we could possibly go down to make this okay, and um, it always works. So there's always a way to get it done today, so I don't want to discourage anybody from thinking that it creates such a hassle um, or a burden to the transaction that it shouldn't be done. Um, and this is a good conversation for homeowners that are thinking about putting solar on your house. If you're, if you're thinking about it, but you also know solar systems are built to go for 25 or 30 years, if you're going to sell your house in five years, did you shoot yourself in the foot by the way you did it? And so um, so what you're asking, first of all, um, we want to make sure that the solar system is covered by the insurance policy. And usually there's a special line item on there that says, hey, we're insuring a solar. Because if something happens to the solar, like these big storms and big winds, what if your solar system blew off into the yard? Especially if it was on a lease. Um, that could be really problematic. So we want to make sure that it's properly insured. That's not that big of a deal. It's not very expensive. It's usually just a small add-on like any other big improvement to your house. In terms of if you own the solar, um, generally what happens is um, your solar is either already paid off or it's going to be paid off through the close of escrow, right? So let's just say that I have a house that I, I'm i going to sell for $400,000, and it's really being valued because there is solar on it, and that's a, that's a perk, right? And it's not too hard to figure out what that's worth. If your utility bill is typically $200 a month and you have a solar system that you've bought outright, that 
that $200 a month represents roughly $20,000, $25,000 in additional value by way of its equal in debt service. So the person writing the offer and then my evaluating the offer, we all know that, right? So it's sort of that's going to be setting the market value of the home. So if I don't have a loan on it, boom, money in my pocket as the seller. If I do have a loan on it, then the loan's typically going to be paid off through the close of escrow. Um, and it's rare that those are subordinated. I've seen it happen a couple times where it's assigned to the new buyer, but that's a pretty rare thing. Does the – when – in the event that a solar loan or lease is going to be paid off through close by the seller, does that have to be written into the purchase contract? No, because it's really just a lien on there. I mean, as the buyer, you might want to protect yourself and say – uh, because you're going to do your due diligence. You see panels on the roof. If you're a buyer today or a real estate agent, um, if you see panels on the roof and you know that there's a system to it, you're going to ask those questions. Hey, is this owned or leased? Is there a loan or not? And is it being paid by the seller at close or not? Because I'm not buying your house for 400000 and assuming your $20,000 right. loan. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. What happens if they get the money and then they don't pay off? The solar lease it's, or whatever. It's recorded against title. So ultimately what ends up happening is that um, escrow's tasked with making sure – that's part of that title insurance process, making sure that the buyer is getting – is aware of what they're getting and that it happens according to the instructions. And so, that loan doesn't just transfer with ownership. It it's, does not. It's the original buyer's. Yep, because if you were – if you were going to assume that loan, then you would need to make arrangements with the current lender that you're going to basically be assigned the contract and the first party relinquished of it. Where it gets a little bit tricky is with leases. And this used to be, like I said in the beginning, this was a real deal killer. Is not a lot of people had a good idea of how to handle this process. Um, what we would do is, so we'd start your loan, your house, that same house, now you're buying it for 380 okay? You don't really have the value of the solar being on there because it's a lease. And usually the lease payment is about equal to the power payment. So cash flow-wise for the new buyer, it's not a ton of advantage to having that leased system on there. By the way, this is why partly why the lease isn't great. That being said... On that lease situation, um, the lease has what's called a UCC filing. The UCC filing is not quite the same as a lien on the property, but it's basically somebody saying, hey, we have we have collateral on this property that isn't determined to be real property to the home, but we're owed it. We want it known that it's there, and we want to know when this property is moving around, why it's moving, who it's moving to, that they know that we're here and there's an outstanding agreement. And so that UCC filing in the beginning was really difficult for lenders said, Mm, I, I hear you saying it's not a lien, but it's attached to the property, and it's outstanding debt with a pretty long debt term. So we started saying, you know, show us this, show us that. Do we put it in the debt-to-income ratio? How does it impact the borrower's qualifying? How does it impact the value of the property? Yeah, that's Is it point. good or bad? You have a lease on the property and if I loan you money to buy the house and then I have to foreclose on you because you lose your job or whatever, now I'm the lender. Now I'm party to a lease that I didn't necessarily want and now I don't – it's not clear to me how to assign it, all these kind of things. The way that the industry began to solve all of that confusion and put it all to rest is that generally now 
the solar company will just release the UCC. So it's disclosed that there's a solar lease. The new buyer understands there's a solar lease. And the filing will be removed from the title of the property for your transaction. And then they'll come back and place it later. A little bit of risk on that um, on the lease side, right? Because they have some period where they're, they don't have the filing in place. I don't understand all the legal ins and outs for them from that standpoint, but the bottom line is it basically just opens that door for you to transact this thing without the lender. I don't want to say not knowing about it, but not having to consider it. I don't care. You took it off, put it back on. I can only assume you'd do that every time for every transaction. I don't care. It sounds similar to when we do financing, like a refinance where a property's held in trust. Sure. And then the... Little in and out. There's a little thing that happens with title where the title is transferred from the trust to the individual. That's right. Then the new deed of trust is recorded for the new loan, and then the... The grant deed is filed right after that to transfer back from personal to trust. Yep. So it sounds very similar. And that process is generally like, here, record this one. Oh, thank you. Now record this one. Mm -hmm. So it moves so quick so that there's not a big open door for days or weeks. You Um, mentioned the leases may or may not affect debt to income ratio. I think about it. I think, well, if if the lease payment is really just... In place of the electric payment, we never qualify right. a homeowner with their utility payments included. And that's what we cozied up to in the industry in terms of that underwriting qualification is, look, I don't take into consideration your utilities anyway. And if this is – and the idea of the lease is that um, – this is how they sold the leases anyway. If your utility bill was 200 bucks a month and ever-increasing – if we give you the system that offsets the 200 bucks, now you pay us 200 bucks, and it just won't go up. And it's fixed. Yeah, it's yeah. fixed. It won't go up, and you have that you know, over time. The solar company gets the tax credit for putting the, you know, the 30% tax credit for setting up the system, so you lose some of that advantage. There's, those are the reasons why I don't think it's great. And also, if you never own it, you never have no power bill. That's one of the big goals of having solar, I think, is... Let me not even have a PG&E bill. We talk about that break-even period. Mm-hmm. If I pay this money and then I save 200 bucks a month, and then after six years, the system's paid off. Now I don't have to pay you and I don't pay PG&E. That's the win. That's where it really also adds some more benefit to the value of the home as compared to other homes that might not have solar. Mm-hmm. One more thing I just want to add. Uh, <coughs> when Mike with AM Sun Solar was uh, a guest on the show, he reminded us that 2019 is the last year to qualify for the, full 30. For the 30% tax credit. Yeah. And um, it, it next goes, year, 2020 starts to decline. It starts to go down, and it's still meaningful. Oh, I think it's next year it's 27 or 28%, but, but it starts is, to decline. This is the last year of the 30% tax credit. And where it really makes sense is if you can't put it on your roof or you don't want to put it on your roof, then you could um, build a structure that would hold it mm-hmm. and get the tax credit on that on the full too. value of the so structure. So if you needed yeah. a carport or you needed a, a pole barn for your RV or you just some other thing that you're facing anyway, this is a way to get 30% off of building that structure too. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe just the loophole. I don't know. But it's there right now. So if you, like I said, if that's something you need, then it's worth looking at. 
Um, we're going to go ahead and take another commercial break here. The AM Sun Solar uh, ad is going to run during this break. So if we piqued your interest, um, reach out to Mike Belford, super knowledgeable guy. Um, and real quick, before you push that button, Jim, I want you to know one of the biggest differences about AM Sun Solar is that they'll work on your existing system. Most solar companies won't touch something that's already built. They don't want to add on to it or modify it. AM Sun Solar does. So anyways, quick commercial break here, and then we'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328. 358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
getting the vibe up a little bit This here. is so outside of your wheelhouse, Jim. Oh, what the hell, right? <laughs> What happened to, like, the old ACDC gym that we know and love? There you go. Are you sure this is not going to say something like... Well, not they, okay for no, mortgage for, matters. I previewed. I nice. previewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you continue Dad. to surprise me after all these years, Jim. Dad was looking across the board, like, okay. I'm uncomfortable. Can you slide here? it out? I'm un- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there we are. Kind of loosely nice. yeah. about rain. I like it. I like Very it. Much loosely. But anyway. I like you keeping yeah. us on our toes here. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I bought a new used car for my family I yesterday. I heard. You got and, a steal um, of a just deal. Just along these lines. Yeah, got a great little deal on a Honda. Super excited about it. Point of the story here, though, is um, the guy I met was a retired fella. Um, was waiting for him to get done playing tennis. He was, um, I don't know what he did for a living, but he was retired, seemed rather well-to-do, felt like he was probably a doctor. And I'm going to say he's 70. So we go for a test drive in the car. I flipped him the keys to my car. He gave me the keys of this test drive car, so my wife and I get in it. And um, as soon as I start it, the radio is blaring. (laughs) And it's on something like Jim just played, just like you would not Some expect music. this guy to be listening to this genre <laughs> this loud, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I just kind of laughed and yeah. whatever. So I turn it down. Um, we, you know, probably turn it off. We do the test drive, whatever. We come back. And so we're going to buy the car. So we sit down to do the paperwork and... Uh, he calls his wife. Hey, come get me. Are you all done? So I will be by the time you get here. So uh, they hang up. And then we're just about done with the paperwork and his phone rings. And uh, the beat on his cell phone ring is like that. <laughs> so it's just it. who it's he a, is. It's a yeah. pop song that's yeah. like almost gangster rap. <laughs> And I look up and I just I can't help but just laugh yeah. like that's awesome. It's I mean, either it's either who he is and he's just really into it, or he's got a grandson or daughter who likes to uh, mess, mess with, with his phone. ringtones. Yeah. No, he it, this yeah. all together. I felt like this is this guy. <laughs> that's funny. Um, it, it is funny too. My wife, my wife's uncle, um, he's in his sixties. And that's all he listens to. Like, get, get in his car, Britney yeah. Spears or something, where you're just like, <laughs> wow, just you are. And to me, it's it's funny because I feel like the older I get, the more the music that I like and listen to is like uh, trapped in time back there. And don't I just make me play. Oops, I. Yeah, well, what Jason's not realizing is that he's so old, Britney Spears is now classic yeah. rock. I know. Yeah. That's fine. Um, anyhow, thanks for that uh, exciting mix-up in the uh, the usual coming back music. So um, yeah, no that was Pitbull. Pitbull and Mark, and Mark Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, before we move on from this solar thing, mm. um, I want to hit my public service announcement part of this topic. Um, if you venture out and look around, there's a um, financing opportunity that's called PACE. I've heard of PACE. 
PACE is the acronym. So when you look it up, it's, you know, P period, A period, C period, E period, or just all capitals, right? And it's an acronym. And PACE stands for Property Assessed Clean Energy. And ultimately, they tag financing onto the end of it, I think, because PACEF wasn't um, very catchy. But so anyhow here, PACE is... A, a way to finance um, energy efficiency. And ultimately, what happens here with this program is it's a tax lien. So let's say you want solar, and your only real means to getting solar because you lack equity or because you're, um, like, qualifying-wise, you're just not a great bet, Um you might tr- have trouble getting financing uh, or, and this is what I want to head off at the pass, um, if you don't know any better and there are other options available to you that you aren't aware of and you fail to recognize them, you do a pace lien. And so um, these pace liens are just that. It's a lien against your house. It shows up just like your property taxes do. The amortization period here on them is pretty short. So you might borrow $25,000 and be paying six or $700 a month by way of your pace lien. So it's an annual assessment for twenty five grand. It might be $7,000 a year. So now you have... And just like a tax bill, right? It's part of your tax assessment. It's a line item on your tax bill. It's very expensive. And the and the catch here, why this is something that I really, like I said, here's my public service piece to this. It can't be subordinated. If you have a pay lien and you need to do a refi because rates drop or you're going to get out of your mortgage insurance or you need to do a cash out for something else has to be paid off. And when we have to pay it off, if it's 20, 25,000 bucks, that's a lot of money. And oftentimes that'll make your refinance impossible, especially because most of the people that get the pace lean have limited equity, which you should be hearing they likely have mortgage insurance. And so they finally get to a part where they feel like, hey, my house is worth about, you know, 20% more than when I bought it. And so now if I just can go refi and get rid of this lower rate and get rid of my mortgage insurance, I'm going to be dollars ahead. They come and they see us and they're told you cannot refinance and keep your pace lien in place. Um, Likewise, if you're a seller, it has to be paid off. Mm. So you really need to have careful consideration of... When you sell your house, you need to know that's going to be netted from your proceeds. So it's one of those things where um, one of the most recent clients I had that had a pace lien, um, they had it for an HVAC system up in the North County. They ran into a situation where they really needed an HVAC. They had um, too many other consumer debts at the time. So cash flow-wise, they're keeping all the balls in the air, but they're walking that tight wire. And so any lender that looked at them was like, nope. You are ready at your max for what, how much money you make and what your bills are. All those credit cards and those car loans, you're not getting another loan um, regardless of whether or not it's secured to your property. So they did a little bit of research, 
because the HVAC company, right? I mean, picture this. They're in North County. You have no heater. They have no air conditioner. So they have a serviceman out and says, hey, you're this is shot out, and you need a full-on replace. And not only that, but you need all new ducting, and it's very expensive. So they're in this situation now where they're finding out, hey, you need to cough up 18000 bucks or uh, plug-in heaters or something. I mean, figure out another option. So the the – the company that was helping them with their HVAC said, here's this program that has no qualification. They'll just a- attach it to your tax, and, and you'll just pay it with your annual tax assessment. Hmm. And they really felt like they had no other option, so they did it, right? So then they show up on my porch and say, hey, we have this tax assessment. We have this mortgage insurance. We believe we have enough equity now. Help we're drowning now because the $700 a month pace payment is pushing us over the edge. So we go in there and we look at it and say, okay, well, bottom line is we have to pay this thing off. And so what they ended up with was a new loan um, that still had mortgage insurance because raising the loan amount to cover the payoff of the pace took them up over the top. Um, the purpose of the whole refi paid off a bunch of credit cards that radically improved their cash flow. But in terms of the house itself, they borrowed more money at a higher rate than what they even had. But cash flow-wise, that was smoothed out by the fact that the the short amortization on the PACE loan was such a high payment. So to everybody that's listening right now, especially our realtors, real estate agents, if you're listening right now, know that. Know that those PACE loans have big ramifications and advise accordingly, especially, you know, because out in the community, as practitioners of this industry, we do loans, we do real estate, people know who we are, and they come to us for advice. Um, know about this stuff. Um, HVAC people, all these other solar, all these companies that might be steering clients towards this product, it shouldn't be your first choice. Um, it's not the best way to do it. And I understand if you're over a barrel and it's your only way. Okay. Um, but I just, you know, and this is the spirit of the show sure. is to, to want a, a savvy, uh, savvy residents of the central coast to just know these things so that any commitment you're making like this, do it eyes wide open. So two questions for you here. If you do have to, if you're doing a refinance transaction and you're paying off your pay lien, is the money you're getting to pay off that lien considered cash out or yeah. is that so that affects the maximum loan to value you can borrow it does it also affects your interest rate ultimately because cash out's a little more risky it does than rate and if there's it, it and the other thing i just feel compelled to say too is that you might ask yourself why would pace have done this well i was going to say why would anyone do a pace loan as opposed to just a regular solar loan, is it because there's no qualification? Yeah, and so in it, to that end of why would this program even exist if it's it's expensive? Um, it is, you know, the payback is is super high. Um, is the interest rate on a pace loan better or worse than a regular solar loan? Do you know? I want to say they're they're interest free. Uh, so when you're paying your whatever payment, it's just all principal. Yeah. So I guess that's nice. It's a low cost loan with no qualification standards, but it just becomes a nightmare when you need to do some other financial transaction that involves your mortgage. Yeah. 
Okay. And so, and again, you might know all of that and you might pick it. Right. Sure. You could kind of use the pace loan almost as like your 12 month, 0% financing on like an appliance purchase or something. Yeah. Like what if you have the cash and you're so, thinking yeah. I might write a check or I might do a pace. Yeah. Loan. I'll just write it out for 12 months and not have any interest for 12 months. Sure. So from that standpoint, I okay. Okay. Um, the, there is, so pace sort of set up this, um, if you called pace, they say, well, we subordinate, you don't have to pay us off. Go they ahead. do say that? Yeah, they do. Hmm. But Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac say, nah, you don't get to subordinate. They have this like catch that says, if the transaction is impossible because of the pace subordination, um, there is a path to be able to do it, but it's one of those things where the path is impossible. Um, just by the logistics of how it's written out and how it goes together, it just won't work. And then also the other thing is, um, in the refinance, um, it's just one of those things where you really wouldn't be doing a refinance unless there was a benefit to doing it, like, or you really needed cash out. And so it's like, if you're doing a rate and term refi, there's a way to subordinate. If you're doing a cash out, you have to pay us off. And by definition of, you know, coming in and doing it, you're generally you're going to be there for a cash out refi or you're paying this thing off, which knocks you from a rate and term into a cash out refi. So like you mentioned, that leads to higher interest rates, uh, lower loan to values. In other words, you can borrow less against your property when the nature is cash out. So bottom line is um, do your homework if you're going to do that and know what you're getting yourself into. Know what you're getting future would-be buyers of your property into as well. All right, top of the hour commercial break. So we have about a five-minute break here. Take some time out to go water the dogs and freshen your coffee, and we'll be back in a few minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. She's a good girl. Loves her mama, loves Jesus in America too. She's a good girl, it's crazy about Elvis, loves horses and her boyfriend too. All right, it's welcome back. Thanks for that one, Jim. Bringing us back with the, the late, great Tom Petty. Uh, probably one of the most prolific songwriters. I've seen it. I saw him, too, a couple years ago at the fair, man. Great show. Great. Yeah. Gone too soon. Yeah. Do we ever figure out what killed him? Probably fentanyl or something, too. <laughs> Some sort of drugs. Probably yeah. a lifetime of... Touring, yeah, yeah, <laughs> eh. bummer, yeah. But great song here, "Free Falling." Tom Petty, yeah. All right, guys, you're listening to Mortgage Matters. Um, if you're just joining us, thanks for tuning in. We've been talking about solar and pace liens and 
um, kind of that end of the stuff here. And um, this hour, I want to talk about realty, real estate, home sales. There you go. Um, we had a couple of reports this week. We did have a couple of reports, and one of them in particular, I think, uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, Which one? Well, we had a couple home price um, indices. We had some pending home sales. The pending home sales is the one that I think um, makes me go, huh? Hmm. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Um, so before we dive into this, yeah, like you said, there's um, some kind of rich data this week in terms of the the vitality of the national real estate market. And... Um, some of the premise here is to say that part of what we're going to talk about here is coming from December. And ordinarily, there isn't as much of a lag. Some of this stuff wasn't compiled due to the government shutdown. So kind of firing at unusual and and late-ish uh, pieces here. Um, one of them that we're going to reference to the Case and Schiller Home Price Index always has a two month lag. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a rare instance where we'll get um, a gauge of the values in December, also some of the actual stats in December um, together in the same week that give us that idea of what um, a really good idea of what December looks like. Usually, you're thinking about one of them in arrears, right? Mm-hmm. You've already really digested. Pending home sales, new home sales, existing home sales, and then you learn about values a little bit later. So let's start then. Um, let's start then with um, that Case and Schiller home price index. So this one, um, Case and Schiller, this is a U.S. national home price index, came out for the month of December, showing that home prices on the national average, increased 4.7% in the year-over-year reading. Um, the did, Are you making a funny face? Are you seeing different than I wrote in my notes? Uh, I think November was 4.7%, um, 4.7% growth, and then this December reading was hoping was was predicting a 4.8 percent appreciation but it came in at 4.2 i'm looking at you scared me that i got my data wrong so i'm pulling up forbes right now which says that uh u.s home prices in december are 4.7 percent so you're wrong dan because that's not where i verified it which one are you looking at I'm looking at the Econo Day economic calendar, which says the consensus for December's year-on-year growth coming off November's three-and-a-half-year low of 4.7%. It says uh, the year-on-year prices were up only 4.2% in December, which missed expectations by a very sharp six-tenths. All right. Well, you're tasked now with grabbing a Google page and finding at least one more source. Because I pulled Forbes, which isn't where I got my data first time, and it backed me up. So I'm saying I'm right, you're wrong. Okay. (laughs) Um, So those prices being up in December on the year over year, um, that's strong appreciation. Um, It's far above the inflation rate 
which over the same period from December to December was 1.9%. And um, the the next little component here is that most of the news headlines, if you go look at Case Schiller for December and click the news tab and sit, hit search, what you're going to get is um, you find in all of the headlines, you find this... Um, pretty constant theme here that it's a decline in the appreciation rate um that it is while still growing it's keeping up this trend of a of a decline in the rate of appreciation that's been going on since last spring which um april uh from april to december the um, Case and Schiller index has, has shown a decrease in the appreciation rate from 6.5% down to 4.7. And I want to kind of pause here for a minute and, and talk about this a little bit because when you see the word decline, it feels very negative. Mm-hmm. makes it feel like the pace is slowing um, to something that should be alarming. And to me, it's quite the opposite. Um People that do this for a living, that pay the closest attention to the health of the real estate economy nationally, believe that a healthy appreciation rate is one that first and foremost outpaces inflation over the same period, right? So if you've got 2% annual inflation, you want your home values to be keeping track with at least that um, 2% increase year over year. Um, and then more importantly, we've defined this range as healthy appreciation. And the healthy appreciation rate year over year is 3 to 5%. When you are beyond 5%, it's unhealthy. That's an unhealthy, unsustainable rate of appreciation, which is so outpacing the rate of inflation. It's also so radically outpacing the, wa- the rate of wage growth. Um, it is radically reducing the affordability for the average American homeowner. It's unhealthy, and um, and again, I'm going to go. I'm going to tell you that that range of healthy is three to five percent. So mm. remember, remember pre recession when we had real problems. Remember the appreciation rate pre recession, uh, man, fifteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty percent year over year. Uh, and in retrospect, you may have been just rubbing your palms together and laughing all the way to the bank, but um, great example of why we determined that to be radically unhealthy. It was unsustainable. It popped. We had radical devaluation, deleveraging, extreme pain in that correction. And um, we know there's a whole host of reasons why that appreciation rate so broke um, the trend and also so exceeded the healthy level. So that being said, now you have your crash course in my basis of what I'm going to say is that healthy level and what we should be shooting for. Last spring, according to the data from Kay Schiller, the annual appreciation rate was at 6.5%. We've been enjoying, um, again, exceeding the healthy rate. We've been enjoying 6 to 7% annual appreciation, especially here locally, for years in a row. So now we see the national level um, rate of appreciation 
decline into the healthy range, given a reading of 4.7%. I'm going to suggest that's great news. And and that's the reason I kind of climb on that soapbox is I don't like that it's being couched in this negative light that the rate of appreciation is slowing to the rah, rah, rah. That's To me, that's setting the wrong precedent. We should be celebrating the fact that the rate of appreciation is falling into what the people that do this for a living consider a healthy rate. Yeah. Another spin on it is home price appreciation is stabilizing. Sure. Right? It's becoming... Normal. It's normalized. Well, and I'm going to suggest, too, you know, based on what I just said, it's coming out of the danger zone, right. folks. You can't have seven, eight, nine percent year over year that doubles the cost of real estate per decade. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable or okay. Think about the next generation of people. These kids that are hitting high school right now, they don't need to be getting out of college to find out that the average price of a home is a million dollars. Right. So, I've uh, gotten to the bottom of our of discrepancy our in data. data discrepancy here. It, there are, and I should have known, um, there are several different um, versions of the S&P. Oh, the 20 Schiller. city versus the 10 city. So there's the national home price index. There's the 10 city composite and the 20 city composite. Okay. The national home price index was up. Or, you know, it showed 4.7% appreciation. So I guess that's the big number. The 20 city was the one that I referenced where it was 4.2%. Roger that. And then the 10 city composite was only up 3.8%. Even less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm still going to... I still am going to consider that (laughs) I was right. right. You're wrong. (laughs) You don't have to be wrong. I'm just going to call myself right. Writer. I, you just scared me because yeah, I was writer than you. You just scared me because you made me feel like here on live radio, I'm misquoting the data. Hey, I wasn't going to blame you. I was blaming the sources. I just saw your eyebrows go up and go, did I do it again? Yeah, what did I I'm do? a known exaggerator. Did I exaggerate na- national home price appreciation by half a percent? Right. I did not. Nope. Nope, nope. Um, so anyways, that, that gives us a basis for the value of real estate. Um, in that December era. And next we can chunk into a little bit more about what's going on with the home sales, which give us an idea of the overall health. Real quickly, though, there's the the other. This one's a house price index, which it, is different from the home price. The index. FHFA. Yes, that showed year over year appreciation at 5.6%. Strong. Usually they're they're more in line. This is I mean there's almost a 1% disparity here between the two. So that's interesting. Well, and let's talk about the difference in the data too. Sure. Um, first of all, Case Shiller tracks only homes sold. Mhm. The second report that you referenced, the FHFA home price index looks at real estate appraisals too. So we look at these are compiled with data that comes out of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which would include refinance transactions where we're seeing um, those transactions. And uh, in theory, uh, an appraisal for a refi is going to be based on the sales that have happened in the market. But I think there are some of them that fall outside the scope of what might show up from public records. Um, So anyhow. Well, the FHFA arguably just has more data going into it right because it most has both right most purchases involve an appraisal 
and then you have and most all, involve alone, right? And then you have so you would think that most of that home purchase data is going to both index, and then we have the supplemental, the additional data that going to FHFA only right. is the refinance. So data. the lack in case Schiller of having that data makes their scope yeah. a little bit more narrow. And I'm not going to say that I think one is much more correct than the other. If anything, it's probably a good principle just to blend out the two. Let's call it 5%. So at the top end of what we consider healthy for the level of appreciation in the, in the country. So in my estimation of it, it's not a negative thing that this number is come down from 7% to 5%, I'm actually going to suggest that that's a significant positive, and it's welcome news. So, um, again, radically exceeding the pace of inflation, um, radically exceeding the pace of wage growth. We don't see 5% a year wage growth, though we might like to. Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyhow, that brings us to the firm footing of understanding what values are doing nationally. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about contracts um, and sales data Uh, which will give us a further look into the health and state of real estate. So let's go ahead and take our commercial break here. We'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. 
Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800 549 5832. Now, back to the show. I'd be freaked out if I saw Purple Rain. Yeah, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I'm so running too. from that. Kids, get inside. <laughs> Who put LSD in my coffee? Well, from what we know about Prince now, maybe he saw Purple Rain. I don't doubt that. <laughs> Lots of weird things happen to the kind of guy that runs around a stage in uh, bumless leather chaps. Yeah. There we are. All right, this is a family show. Yeah. Um, all right, so we, the topic is real estate, and um, let's uh, let's keep going on that. Um, the next little piece here that is definitely interest, interested to talk about this is that the National Association of Realtors tracks um, data about pending home sales, and real quick. For those that aren't super familiar, not the longtime listeners of Mortgage Matters that know this for sure, pending home sales is is a home that's under contract but not yet closed. And this is a significant one because this this is a reading about, you know, if there's any sort of data that tells us what's right around the corner, this is a great one. This one tells us, hey, what's pending? And if we know that the average real estate, um, which I think here in Slow County was an average like 41-day close or something, um, pretty good idea of what next month looks like if you've got pending transactions this month. So this is one of those pieces of primary data that I would say can be market moving. Um, and we really look at this to establish the trend. It's a leading indicator of what closed home sales are going to look like for next month. That was your cue, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is also the one the uh, the measurement here that we didn't get the reading for last month due to the government shutdown, right? Yep. So we got the December reading, which was pretty bad, pretty darn bad. Uh, pending home sales were down year over year nearly ten percent in December. Okay, now pause right there before we dig into this data. Tell me what it means, for all the listeners' sake, what does it mean when pending home sales are down 10%? That means in December of 2017, if we had 
a thousand homes under contract that those are the pending home sales then in december of 2018 we had 900 under contract so what that just means there's less activity less homes being sold at the same month from one year to the next okay why should i care um I think it's, I mean, as we've discussed over the years, so much of economic activity revolves around real estate. Yeah. You have all the different jobs, all the different people, all the different service providers that rely on home transactions as part of their stream of revenues. So you've got plumbers, you've got the home furnishings, you've got the electricians, roofers, solar guys. You've got landscaping. I mean, you've got all these things related to your home. And the more there's transactions, the more there's new people moving in who need new things and stuff like that. So it's just showing a little bit less activity. It's also evidence of supply. Um, It's also a little bit of evidence of people's appetite to transact real estate. So there's a lot of... Yeah, and what would be the reasons? Let's let's dig into that just a quick second here. What would be the reasons that there are fewer homes selling this year than last year? Well, one is just lack of homes for sale. I mean, that's probably a big realistic reason as yeah, to why. Yeah, and if I'm, a, if I'm a would-be home seller, I'm likely a would-be home buyer, right? Unless I'm planning on sure. getting in the RV and hitting the road. Right. And so... One of the things I think that really what this means is there's a lack, a true lack of suitable replacement. And if not, there's at least a lack of confidence of suitable replacement. I don't want to sell my house if I can't confidently replace it with what I want. Mm -hmm. I don't want to downgrade. I'm not going to gamble by selling my house and then hoping that I can buy the next house and get the bedroom count I want or the school district I want or the kitchen finishes I want. So um, really what that means, too, then, is it, it becomes part of the problem, doesn't it? Because sure. that house you're not selling now is the would-be suit- suitable replacement for the other person downstream that might be selling their starter home. Mm-hmm. So the lack of the turnover of existing homes really has deep ramifications to the whole food chain because it doesn't ultimately free up the entry-level home to the first-time home buyer. That lack of supply then obviously has an equal and opposite effect of demand, and the demand then pushes the value of real estate. Sure. Right? So this is why we care about this. Um, the it, other thing yeah. that could be affecting home sales from year to year is affordability. Yep. You know, think about what was going on in December, especially earlier in December. Earlier in December, um, rates were definitely higher, although they were starting to come down, but they were definitely higher. So people maybe hadn't quite caught on to that declining trend yet. Just seeing we rates might, were up, values were up, things are less affordable. Dan, we might be on a deceiving trajectory. Possibly. I started this quizzing of you to sort of understand what's in these numbers and why do they matter. Mm -hmm. But we haven't yet said what happened in this December report. So interestingly enough, um, December's pending home sales release showed an increase of 4.6% compared to the year ago. January's, right? December. No, December was down 10%, and January was up 4.6%. 
Oh, man. I got to be right on this one. Why? What are you looking at? Because the release schedule here, the December report was due to be released on January 30th, and the January report was due to be released on February 27th. So that's the one we just got. But then we also... You scared me enough again. I pulled out the Google box, and I'm grabbing a separate set of data here from a site I've never even been to before. That says, I'll just read you the first line. No. The National Association of Realtors said Wednesday that its pending home sales index rose 4.6% last month to 103.2. Last month. Last month was January when that report was released on the 27th of February. All right, fine. Yes, I got one. We're tied. There's going to be a tiebreaker later in the show. I can't wait to see. (laughs) Stick around. Roger that. (laughs) But okay, so I and I think this this difference between the December and the January reading, though, you know, we had the decline of nearly ten percent in December, and now we're up almost five percent in January. And I I started to lead into it right in December, maybe even arguably late November. We started to see rates work their way down. They continued to work down into January. Um, I mean, what they from. From November to January, I want to say interest rates fell by anywhere from a half to three quarters of a percent. Yep. So is it possible that that huge swing in pending home sales is primarily due to affordability and interest rate I'm going to suggest it is because um, I, w- I made this point just a few weeks ago here on the show is that if I have a house today... Let's say I've owned my home for five years, okay? Bought it in 2014. Um, in the last five years, uh, got married. You can get married over that period of time. I got married, had, with with the missus, we had a baby. But it was twins. Ah, surprise! <laughs> and, um, you know, now she's pregnant again. We're pregnant again. And um, I really now, I really need a three-bedroom house. All this happened from December to January? No, just five years. Uh, okay. Five years from 2014 <laughs> since I bought my house five Okay, years okay. But so um, I also, because I bought my house five years ago in 2014, I have a 30-year fixed. I'm sitting on some equity. Let's, let's be honest about it. I got about 200 grand in equity now, which feels nice. It feels good, especially feels like I have a nest egg for my twins. Um, and, uh, I also have a three and a quarter, three and a half percent, 30 year fix. That's what we were doling out five years ago in 2014. So today with all these kids running around, I need, I need another bedroom. Can't have the twins sleeping in the room. We have a new baby. They're going to wake up the new baby, all the things. So I need, I need another bedroom. So I go looking around and I find a house, a new bedroom. And I go look in May, this is last May, seven months ago. I look and I go, dang, houses got expensive. I guess I have a lot of equity. I'll just move my equity. And then I say, hey, Central Coast Lending, what's my payment? Central Coast Lending in May says, things have been kind of rocky in the interest rate market. It's five and a quarter. And you go, what? Five and a quarter? I'm going to borrow a little bit more, not a ton more. I'm basically just moving my equity. I'm probably borrowing an extra hundred grand, which I expect is going to raise my payment by five, five to six hundred bucks a month. Yet you're laying this in front of me that it's seven fifty to eight hundred a month more because the interest rate is five and a quarter and I'm currently financed at three and a quarter. So I go, ah, 
Sounds like the twins are going to have a roommate. <laughs> Bye. Now I'm making it through the summer, make it through the end of the year. Stock market volatility, all things. Fed changed their position, all the things. We get on down to it, and I and I sort of look up, and I go, wait, the interest rate's four and a half? Well, it's not so bad. It's not five and a quarter, and I have a need to move. I really do. We have kids. They're everywhere, and I need another bedroom. Um, I, so then I call back. Hey, what's this look like? Uh, well, it looks like you're going to get an interest rate of four and a half, which is kind of splitting the difference. Um, don't call it anything but dumb luck, right? You had no impact whatsoever on your affordability to borrow that money. So it's just sort of like, dang, now it's not as bad as it was. Like I said, I have this need. So, um, all right, I'm in. I can make that swing. It doesn't feel as painful. And even though it is painful because I'm going to finance this money for more than what I'm already got it financed at, it's going to solve a problem for me. But I feel like I won one, mm-hmm. right? I'm getting it for yeah. three quarters of a percent less than what it was six months ago where my gut told me to wait. And now I feel like I oh, that was smart of me. Look at me. I'm getting paid off now because I had patience and I waited. And so psychologically, I think that just brings people back to the forefront and say, hey, okay, I'll bite. I wasn't in at five and a quarter, but I'm ready now at four and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, loans yesterday were at or below that level. So um, brilliant, right? So, I, so I, to answer your question, I, that's a huge part of it is – yeah, let me let me have let me have at that. I'll sell my house and I'll buy a house. So affordability definitely appears. I mean, I know it wasn't weather because January's weather was only worse than December's weather. Well, and this is the beauty, <laughs> though, too, of the year over year is that we can compare last December to this December. It doesn't change that much. Last January to this January, it doesn't change that much. December to January, man, that's really where we saw that. You could overlay those graphs to see that nice dip in rates and thereby affordability. Mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest that's a huge component to it. Because also, um, loan officers are out marketing that, aren't we, to our database. Hey, everybody, nice little dip in rates. If you had a reason to be looking, it's a good time to be looking. Um if you need to refi, it's a great time to refi. If you need to get rid of your mortgage insurance, it's a great time to give give that a stab too. Um, and then so consequently, because the loan officers are really, really intimately close to that, the power of that borrowing, the primary people that we market to besides our past client are real estate agents. So we're out telling the realtors, hey, everybody, this is a good time to get in front of your people. They're always looking for an excuse and I'm not saying they, we are always looking for an excuse to get in front of our clientele with helpful news, right? And when we call somebody to say, hey, interest rates have dropped a little bit, um, oftentimes you'll get the feedback of, wow, that's unbelievable timing because we were just talking about how the twins need their own room, you know, something like that. So it's no surprise that that gets a little bit of traction and then that becomes one of the factors that moves these things that radically from one month to the next. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough here, I'm I'm kind of diving deeper into this report where they break it down by region and the West in particular has been the weak link for housing. And it was kind of mixed in this pending home sales report, you know, as far as the, how the West performed pending sales in the West 
rose um, a little bit, three-tenths of a percent in the month. But year over year, from January to January, um, set pending home sales in the Western region, which it's, you know, the country's divided into four regions for this report. <clears throat> um, year over year for the West was down 10%. So, and it was by far the sharpest decline um, in the entire nation. Most of the strength of the pending home sales report was concentrated in the Southern region, um, which was you know, really, really leading the way for the, for the national housing market. The Southern region saw pending home sales increase year over year, 9%. So kind of interesting when you really look at it regionally. Um, but also not surprising because I think the West is where you get, those are some of the, the more um, faster appreciating markets. Think about the Pacific Northwest has been a real star here the last um, several years, California's, um, you know, especially coastal California is always a hot market. Um, so I don't think any of this is surprising, but I think it really shows the link between sales and affordability and in particular the interest rate market. So we got our arms around the rate of appreciation, still positive, ventured down into the healthy range. And now we have our arms around pending home sales. Um, next up is to talk about existing home sales, and we'll round out this discussion with the existing home sales data after this short break. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786.
Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending, and I want to thank you for supporting us these past 11 years. We have helped thousands of local residents buy and refinance homes here on the Central Coast, and we couldn't have done it without you. We are sincerely grateful and look forward to serving you for many years to come. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328-358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters, where the topics of the show are not as eclectic as the music beds we come back with. There it is, man. Yeah, that's big. What did we? What did we have today? We had um, Prince. We had ACDC course right now. Prince. Tom Petty. Pitbull. Tom Petty. Tom Petty. And we started out with the fortunes. The fortunes. Here comes that rainy day feeling again. We got a little something for everyone today. Where every day is like a Monday. <laughs> yeah, there's Ooh, a... Poor Monday. Monday's like the middle uh, Don't make me break out the carpenters. Rainy days and Mondays always bring me down. I Mondays am, are great. Days. I'm imagining like all the days personified at the you know office break room, and poor Mondays just like getting picked on by all the other days. Right, but Monday <laughs> everybody I mean, wants to hang out with Friday and Saturday. Right, totally. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, poor Monday. Monday, the day the diet starts. <laughs> <Right. laughs> the day a healthy life has yeah. got a, a lot of regret on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't have ate so much on Saturday. <laughs> Monday is like the day to rehydrate. <laughs> right. A lot of water on Monday. Get back to the gym. All that talk around the water cooler on Monday. <laughs> yeah, right? That's why. So dehydrated from the... Uh, yeah. Weekend, yeah. yeah, that's how it goes. All right, here I we have, are. I have super weird news uh, <clears throat> sources today that I'm pulling up. I just hope we can agree on existing home sales data. Okay, me too. <laughs> um, we're gonna say. I mean, well, let's let's dig in. Why don't you go so that I can correct you? <laughs> okay. <Wow>. okay, okay. <laughs> Jason uh, has nothing to say here, Dan. No, no, I'm, no. He I'm has something to say. Wow. He just wants to go second. Oh, I'm just gonna let Dan <laughs> serve this one so I can hit the cross court All right. smash. All right, here we go. So, uh, what I found <laughs> for existing home sales for the month of January. Was January? Oh, come on! <laughs> Let's all look and point and snicker at him. Yeah, that's no, ridiculous. that's ridiculous. 
Sorry. What sorry. I found for January was that home sales, the existing home sales, so these are your, we call them used homes, the existing previously ones, lived previously in. lived in homes. Uh, those homes that actually sold, the sale is final, um, they were, number of units sold was down 8.5% for January, which puts that annualized rate at uh, slightly below 5 million homes. Agreed. Do you concur? Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> All right. We're ending today's show in a tie. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so basically, um, this is just going to, I'm going to go on to say here that the this report just continues the the downward trajectory of that volume of homes that are selling and and um, not at all surprising after we see the pending home sales down nearly 10 percent in december translates to existing home sales down eh, not quite 10 percent in uh in january yep um so let's see here oh the pace of single-family homes um, stood seasonally at a rate of 4.37 million, and the median price for um, a previously lived-in home in the U.S. has gone to 249.4, which is a year-over-year increase of 3.1 percent. Um, condominiums and co-ops also. Um, had some they had an annual rate of 570,000 units which were up ever so slightly 3.6%. Um the median price for condos and co-ops was up also but only at 233. The typical home in January had been listed for 49 days, which was 3 days slower than the previous month. Um, and seven days pre, um, longer than the previous year. 38% of homes sold in January had been listed for less than a month before finding a home buyer. Hmm. 29% of January's home buyers were first-time home buyers, um, which is down a little bit from a 32% share for the month of December. All cash sales made up 23% of the home sales in the month, which was one percentage point increase from the prior, so essentially equal. Um, distressed home sales rose from record lows, counting for 4% of January's home sales. Hmm. It was only 2% in the prior month. Several transactions I looked at and talked about this last week involved people that were in um, in short sale, which I Whoa. found to be really surprising. Yeah, And it reminded me, too, that... The loan modification department, which we all grew to love so dearly in the last recession, most banks have always had a, a loss mitigation department. There is a normal amount of foreclosures and short sales and distressed sales, people that are behind on their home loan, even in the best of economies. There are people that just have trouble, um, lose a job, lose a spouse, um, some other debt or garnishment or something has them backed into a corner. Yeah, I think um, it's generally accepted that somewhere around a 2% delinquency rate is pretty typical, pretty normal. even in a in a good market. So seeing distressed sales pop up a little bit from there, it'll be interesting to see if that's any kind of a, um, you know, an indication. But So well, I'm, I'm diving down here into the regional figures again, and the... 
uh, there's a couple statements in this part of the thing that have me a little concerned and something we're going to want to keep our eye on going forward. And uh, they even hint that the Fed might start to make it part of their policy statement going forward. Um, Here's what I'm talking about. The West is often a driving force in the housing market. Um, The West, however... This, this is a statement. I'll read it word for word. The West right now looks very soft. That's not good. Resales in the Western region fell 2.9% in the month to a 1 million rate, which is down almost 14% from last year. The South, which was the, the good performer that I just mentioned in the pending home sales report, the South in this existing home sales report, which is the na- nation's largest housing region, is also softening with resales down 1% in the month and 8.4% year over year. So we haven't heard the Fed talk much about the housing market in a while. Um, so we're, you know, we're, go- we're all going to need to keep our eye on that going forward. In the, the corner here of my article, the Northwest was the only region with some increase in existing home sales. Um, they're 2.9% up. Um, their median home price, 270000 Um The next line item here says sales continue, continued to plummet in the West, um, you know, backing up the million mark that you reference and the median home price strong and climbing almost 3% to 374,600. Mm. Um, in the South, the existing home sales rate fell 1%, um, even though the median home price rose again 2.5% to 2148. Um, all right, Dan. Mm hmm. First of all, Dan, thanks for being here with me today, buddy. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to get together on a Saturday and, and, and walk our way through all this data. <clears throat> sure is. And I want to go back to where we began, oh, two hours ago. <laughs> um, I said, you know, that I'm always sort of looking, it started around that optimism, right? That consumer confidence. I'm always looking out a little bit into the future and saying, hey... What's it look like out there? And is there cause for concerns? The Fed's changed their position a little bit. Rates are reflecting a a little bit of a different economy. GDP seems to be correcting, although still really strong. Um, What's it look like? We just took this hand-in-hand walk through Mm -hmm. this field of data, and we have a pretty good picture right now of what what looks like in the the real estate economy of the U.S., Um, so how do you feel? What's what's up? What's next? It's a good question. Um, I still feel okay. You know, I'm not I'm not running scared. I don't feel like some of these this drag on the the housing numbers, particularly in the western region. I, it doesn't scare me that the sky is falling. Um, I think for those of us in the real estate industry, it may not be the best of news. It means that volume's going to be down a little bit. But I think for the average Joe out there, it's it's just the natural end of a cycle that we're coming to. We're starting to see the units that are transacting, you know, units are down. We're seeing home prices starting to stabilize. 
So I think for the average ordinary person who's not involved in real estate transactions every day, that All it's no well. big deal. Yeah, things are good. Things are kind of stabilizing a little bit. For those of us in the industry, eh, it means there's going to be a little bit of a fight for volume. Sure. But all in all, I mean, it's just we're we're getting back to hopefully a normal market. We're- I I pulled up some sold stats for Slow County here. Um, just maybe just try to bring this stuff a little bit more local here in San Luis Obispo proper. Um, the median home price. So this is just tracking through January from eighteen to nineteen. The median home price in San Luis in 18 was 800000 and so far in 19, it's clearly skewed. It's over a million, a million The average days on market have changed a little bit from 50 days in 18 to 61 days in 19. And the list to sales price for homes in San Luis Obispo has declined a little bit um, from 2018. If you wanted to win... In the average transaction, you could just look at the sales price or the list price of a home and know that it took 98.31% to buy that house. Today, it's declined just a little bit. Today, it's suggesting here that it takes 96.47% of list price to buy that house. I have a question Um, about that statistic, and I don't know if you know. Um, Is that based on the original list price or the most recent listed price? Okay. Yeah, from what it's actively being marketed for to to actually being sold. There's a separate data set that tracks what it was originally listed for. Um, And then also, you know, there's other things about some of that data that's interesting. If you're transacting business right now, you'll sometimes you'll see a house that comes out listed too high, sits for forever, and then the listing is canceled. It shows up under a back on the market report oftentimes under a new broker with a new price, and it starts to register a fresh count of days on market. Mm -hmm. So those are always interesting, too. But like I said, if you're transacting, like if you're looking to buy right now, you start to become aware of those places. And most of the reports now do a good job of telling you when something's back on the market or was recently marketed, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Atascadero, just for fun. 2018 had an average uh, median home price of 544.9. This year is up to 565. Hmm. The days on market has increased from 57 to 80, and the list to selling price went from 98.78 to 97.98. So again, right up there. If you if you want to buy a house today, pro tip is get real close to the list mm-hmm. price. Um, unless it's been on the market a long time. But that's the dance, right? Once it's sat too long, you think you're going to get a discount. Um, if you wait for a price reduction, you might miss it. So those are those are what it's like around here. It's still things seem to be flying off the shelf when they're well-priced, and they're getting pretty darn close to their actual list price. We're wrapping up the show here. We're down to the final minutes. Um, I want to just take this opportunity to remind you guys that uh, we're here to help you with any one of your purchase or refinance needs Uh, We pride ourselves not only in the boutique service and level of care that we give each and every client, but we also have structured our business in a way that we're confident that we're offering the most competitive of rate and terms. So if you're inclined to venture into the same old bank that's always done your loans, let us throw our hat in the ring. If you are among the wildly uh, courageous, willing to do a loan with an online only lender based out of some crazy 
place in Delaware or otherwise, um, dang, cool off and use a local lender. You're not going to save any money going there. We have equal tech and equal ability plus that small town uh, character and care. So um, reach out to us. We're centralcoastlending.com. We're 805-543-LOAN. Uh, drive safe out there, guys. Stay dry. We'll see you after six inches of rain next Saturday for another live episode of Mortgage Matters.